0: I'm going to ask our students this morning if they've ever had an experience before where their parents have done something that has irritated them. Show of hands. Thank you. You were aggressive sticking up those hands. I like that. Um, did, Cademan, did you stick up your hand? You're grounded. All right. Um, one of the things that, that my parents did when, when I was growing up that used to drive me nuts is whenever they started a sentence and said, uh, when I was a kid... I don't know if your parents have ever done this before. But they're like, when I was a kid, and then they would like, go in and tell this uh, story. That used to irritate me uh, to no end. And so, uh, when I was a kid, uh, we, we, when we went to birthday parties, um, we would bring a gift for uh, whoever's birthday it was, and, and that was it, because like, it was their birthday, and so my oldest son, Cademan, when he had his very first birthday party, we invited his buddies uh, over to the house uh, to celebrate his birthday. And Melissa asked me the question, James, did you get the gift bags for his friends? To which I replied, what? <laughs> and she, she said, yeah, you're, you're supposed to get gift bags for his friends. I'm like, but it's his birthday. Like, why do we have to get gift bags for his friends if it's his birthday? And she's like, James, that's just what you do. And so that's what we did. But I wasn't happy about it. It really kind of bothered me. And I don't know if I've gotten over it. Uh, the reason that I share that is because uh, at Christmas time, uh, we celebrate Jesus' birthday and we get gift bags. It's crazy. Like we come together to celebrate Christ, and we are reminded of the gifts that has, have been given uh, to us through his life. And so this morning, I want us to think together about the gifts that God has given to us through his son by opening up in our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. If you grew up in the church, this might be a familiar passage to you. If not, this is a, one of those passages that the church seems to come back to each and every year. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, there is an announcement uh, to Mary that she will give birth to a baby. And it is a big deal. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the six months, the angel Gabriel Uh, Nazareth, this place that's spoken of in Luke chapter 1, uh, was considered a non-place. It was not a place that if you were to pull out a map, uh, you would see this large city with bright lights. It was essentially a forgotten place. We hardly hear anything about it in the Old Testament. The only reason that we read about it in the New Testament is because of this event that takes place. In early Christian tradition, we don't even read about this place Nazareth until much later Uh, Nazareth was this kind of shoddy town in between two larger cities called Tyre and Sidon. It was filled with uh, Gentiles. It was uh, filled with Roman soldiers. Uh, It was not a place that you would expect uh, the king of the world uh, to come from. In fact, Nathaniel uh, writes in John chapter 1, verse 46, or his words are recorded, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The answer to that was assumed to be no. <laughs> like nothing good is going to come from this small little place on the map. Mary, uh, the girl that we read about here in Luke chapter 1, was a young girl from a not much place. And if you were to know her or meet her, you might assume that she too was not much. I, I mean, she's not the kind of girl that you probably would have looked at and thought to yourself, uh, she will usher in uh, the king, the savior of the world. Uh, Theologians believe that Mary was 12 or maybe 14 years old when this news came to her. Think about that for a second. 12 or 14 years old. She was a young teenager uh, from a non-place. If you were to track out her life, you could assume that she would get married at a young age. Uh, she may have many children. More than likely, she would grow up in poverty. You could assume that she would not travel more than a few miles uh, from her house. In other words, she was not a big city girl. And, And yet, God visits uh, this non place and comes to uh, someone that you would perceive uh, to be very unimpressive, and he brings to her amazing, life changing news. It says in verse 28 Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. On December 8, 1854, Pius IX declared the doctrine of immaculate. Conception. It was the belief that Mary was sinless from birth. Uh, That's not what this passage is teaching here. Mary was not sinless from birth. She was a flesh and blood. She was uh, like you and like me. But Mary was not a nobody. No, Mary was favored by God. God visited her. He chose her. He identified her as the one who would carry God's Son. One author notes that hers, Mary's, was the face that unto Christ had the most resemblance. So Mary, although not perfect, was favored by God. She was chosen by God. God visited her in this non-place and came to her. And when she heard these words from the angel, uh, she did not immediately think, hey, I've struck it big. Like, she didn't go out shopping for the hashtag blessed t-shirt, right? She, she took these things that she heard, and she began to ponder them in her mind and in her heart. It says in verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Did you ever stop to think or wonder why she was troubled when she was visited by an angel? Uh, Could it be that that doesn't happen? Like, that's not normative. That is incredibly unusual. You don't talk to your friends on Monday at school and ask them, what did you do last weekend? And say, well, you know, on Friday the angel visited me. But that that doesn't ha- these, these kinds of encounters when God moves in miraculous or unusual ways. These do not happen all the time, and so you can imagine that Mary, when she heard these words, was greatly troubled. She didn't, at least, immediately fully understand what was taking place. Uh, but but the angel brought to her good news. Verse thirty sa- verse thirty says, and the angel said to her. Uh, Mary certainly understood uh, some of the angel's announcement. She likely understood that she was going to become pregnant, right? That this virgin was going to give birth to a baby and that this baby would be called salvation. He would be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Imagine, imagine that news uh, coming to you. Wow. (laughs) I mean, you can imagine in part what Mary must have felt like in that moment, how gripped she was by these words. And so Mary does something that likely anyone would do. She asks follow-up questions. She says to the angel in verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a great question. It's a great question. Like, how how are you going to do this, God? This doesn't make sense to me. I know how this is supposed to work, and I, I should not be pregnant. And the angel answered her and said in verse 35, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This morning, I want us to think together about the big idea of this story. And not just the big idea of this particular story, but the big idea of all of Scripture of God's story, of this story, and then I want us to think together about three gifts that God gives uh, to us through his Son. And so the first thing that I want us to, to be reminded of or to think together about is that Christmas is first and foremost about King Jesus. Uh, Christmas is first and foremost about King Jesus. I know that we know that. I know that we have bumper stickers that say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, I I know that we give lip service uh, to that truth. Uh, But I think it is uh, wise for us and good for us to let that sink in uh, to our very hearts. Like To think that this world that we live in is not about us, it is about the coming of King Jesus. To think that Scripture, all of the Old Testament, points forward to the coming of Jesus. And the New Testament points toward His coming again for us, uh, His church. Uh, Jesus uh, is the point. Look at verse 32. It says, "...He will be great and He will be called the Son of the Most High." And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Christmas, the Christmas story, is first and foremost about Jesus. It is about God. It is a story about a faithful God who comes because he is faithful to his promises uh, to rescue a people unto himself. All other stories, all other uh, angles that we think about or that we read about, a point toward this main event. Wait, it is his deal. Everything else is an appetizer to the main course. It is simply a preview to God's majestic and beautiful story. And so listen, at Christmas time we come together and we think about practical ways to slow down and be still. Uh, We talk about practical ways to interact with difficult family members. Uh, we, We talk and discuss as a people about the importance of generosity and giving and not receiving. All of those things are good. All of those ideas are valuable, but they are not the main point of God's story. God is the main point of His story. Jesus is the point, right? And so I want us to be reminded of this morning. I want us to fight uh, for this truth that uh, Christmas is first and foremost about uh, Jesus. It is uh, His deal. Paul says in Galatians, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so all of creation looked forward uh, to this moment. Christmas is about King Jesus. And, uh, and, and, Christmas is about Jesus and you and me. We, uh, we get a gift back. We get a gift back. God, in His graciousness in His, in His goodness, uh, reaches out and extends to us and, and grants us and provides for us and graciously gives to us gifts. Uh, we see them here in Luke chapter one. Uh, one of the, the gifts that God's given is the, the gift of uh, being noticed, the gift of being noticed. Um, God sees and uses humble people uh, from humble places God chose a not much town by all appearances and a a not much girl uh, to do something miraculous Jesus himself just based on his appearance uh, was relatively unimpressive like like you wouldn't look at him and think to yourself like he's a he's a mover and a shaker he's a handsome dude like he, he turns heads, people follow him because of his appearance. It says in Isaiah about Jesus, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Right, the whole Christmas story is, um, is just caked with these, these pictures of what is unassuming and seemingly what is unimpressive. And I think that's such a good reminder for us. It's a good reminder for me. Uh, because more often than not, I am blown away by what is impressive. I'm blown away by what's impressive. I have these experiences and I go, whoa, like that's awesome. Right? And, I, and I just naturally gravitate toward what is awe-inspiring. Right? And so I am fascinated with uh, life in the big city. I love the lights, I love the activity, I love movement, I love crowds, I love talent, I love things that I can see and go, whoa. And, And yet, God oftentimes does not operate like that. God often moves into small places. God oftentimes meets people who are seemingly unimpressive, to a watching world. And he says, I choose you. I choose you. Listen, if you have ever felt unimpressive before, if you've ever felt lost in the crowd, like people have not noticed you or people do not see you, I want you to know that the God who made you and knows you and loves you has noticed you. He he sees you. He chooses folks like you and me all of the time. God gives us the gift of being noticed. He gives us the gift of courage. As the angel said to Mary, Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do you know that the most frequent command in all of Scripture is do not fear. Do not be afraid. Isn't that amazing? I think about that and I'm like, I, that surprises me. Like, why would it be... Do not be afraid or do not fear. And I thought maybe one of the reasons that God tells us time and time again not to be afraid is because time and time again we are afraid. We're afraid. And so Scripture says again and again, "Do not be afraid." Exodus 14:13, "Do not be afraid. stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord who, uh, that He will bring you today." Deuteronomy 3:22, "Do not be afraid. The Lord your God will fight for you." Joshua 10:8, "Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands." Luke 12:32, "Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has pleased to give you the kingdom. Isaiah 41:10 Do not fear for I am with you do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. Have you ever been afraid before? Have you ever looked at your life and thought to yourself, I don't have the answers for these problems? Have you ever been afraid of what other people thought about you before? Have you ever worried about a medical diagnosis before, or wrestled with a broken relationship before, or wondered where the next paycheck was going to come in before? Have you ever been afraid before? We are afraid all of the time. And and God whispers to us, or at times shouts to us, do not be afraid. Right? The, the God that created us and made us is sovereign over our lives. He is not surprised by the things that come our way. He is not caught off guard. His plan for you and for me is good and perfect. Right? He knows what he's doing. And so he says to us, do not be afraid. And there's, there's something for me that is calming and comforting about um, experiencing uh, the strength of a father where you have this sense as his kid that things are gonna be all right. I remember when my brother and I were were young, we were traveling from uh, Chicago to Detroit and uh, we were driving through a snowstorm. I don't know if you guys have uh, seen snow before, but it's this white stuff, falls softly from the sky and it builds and it's slick to drive on. And uh, we were going through one of the worst blizzards that they had seen in decades. We didn't know it at the time. My brother and I were young. I think we were probably six and four years old. And so we were uh, in the back seat, and we weren't like watching movies or playing our video games like kids do now. When I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, we were playing like I Spy for hours, and it was fun. And uh, that's what my brother and I were doing. We were sitting in the back, and we were playing games, and we were laughing. And uh, we had no idea that there was uh, danger ahead. We didn't know. We didn't know that my dad literally could not see more than a couple feet in front of him. Like, we didn't know when, the, when we heard the, the wiper blades going back and forth and back and forth that it was clearing snow off the windshield so my dad could look out and see just a white sheet. We were completely ignorant to what was before us. But you know what? The reason that, that, that we had confidence, the reason that we sat in the back seat and were not sweating it was because we had this perception that our dad was going to take care of it. Like, he was our dad. And so we were going to be okay. Like, we, d- we didn't worry if he was going to make it to our destination. Well, in the same way that God who made us, like, he's our dad. Like, it's going to be Okay. Like, you don't have to be afraid. He hasn't forgotten you. And that's that's a gift that God gives to his kids. God gives us the gift of being noticed. He gives us the gift of courage, of not being afraid. And he gives us the gift of the miraculous. Look at verse 34 in Luke chapter 1. It says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age is also conceived, and this is the sixth month of her who is called barren. And look at verse 37. It says, For nothing is impossible, with God. Nothing is impossible with God. This whole story is marked by seemingly those things that are impossible. Angels are appearing. Doesn't usually happen. An old woman is pregnant, even though she has been barren her whole life. Mary, a virgin, and is pregnant with the king of the world. That does not happen. That is supposed to be impossible, but it is not impossible with God. With God, uh, all things are possible. All things are possible. Do you believe that that is true? Do you believe that all things are impossible with God? Do do you believe that there's there's nothing that limits the God of the universe? Do you know that the the God who made you and knows you and loves you can, can speak a word into your life and fix what is broken and heal those who are sick, and and provide for those who lack, and and fill the stomachs of those who hunger, and quench the thirst for those who long for a drink. This is the God that we serve, a God who is, is not inhibited from doing the impossible. Do you believe that that is true? See, I believe if if we believe that that is true, it changes the way that we live and it changes the way that we operate. I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to live a pretty cynical life. It's easy for me just to kind of assume that things are gonna play out the way they're gonna play out because we just live in a fallen world. But I do not think that that is biblical. I think the God we serve is capable of doing the impossible. He does it all the time. He did it back then, and I believe that he does it. Uh, today. He mends the brokenhearted. He heals the sick. He gives hope to the hopeless. He gives peace to the anxious. He doles out joy to the discouraged. Nothing is impossible with God, right? And so this Christmas, we're reminded that God gives to us gifts. He gives us the gift of being seen he gives us the gift of courage. He gives uh, us the, the gift of the miraculous. And so then the question is, well, how do we respond to this a God who has revealed himself to us? Like, how, how should we respond? How should we act? Like, what should we do? Well, I love what Mary does in verse 38. It says, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Like, I love this picture from Mary. I love how, how she responds to the angel. I love the fact that she hears this news, and there is this, this humility in her heart, and this service that just kind of seeps out of her pores, where she says, yeah, like, I'm in. Like, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask. May it be according to your word. What a beautiful posture for us as the people of God to take with the Lord. So we read his word and we see what God calls us to do or where he calls us to go. And we say, well, well, yeah, I'm in. Like, may, may it be according to your Like, I'm your servant. You want me to go there? I'll go. You want me to speak? I'll speak. You want me to stay behind the scenes? I'll stay behind. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'm your humble servant. It's such a beautiful picture. When I read this, I thought of the, the great Christmas movie, uh, the Princess Bride, and uh, you've seen it before, haven't you, students? Have you seen The Princess Bride before? Yes. If not, I'm going to talk to your parents after the service. There's this this great relationship that takes place between Farm Boy, right? You've seen it, and, and the Princess. You know he has the saying that he always says to her when she asks him of something Uh, author Gary Moon tells it this way he says as the movie opens we see the heroine uh, going about chores on a farm her name is Buttercup he says I know but I still like the movie soon we meet a young man who works on the farm and answers to the name farm boy whenever Buttercup asks farm boy to do something for her he always replies as you wish That's all he ever says to her. And they grow into their hormones. Buttercup seems to be developing a crush on Farm Boy. One day, as he is about to leave the room, she asks him to fetch uh, her a pitcher, which is within easy reach for her. Farm Boy walks over, then stares into her eyes, lifts the pitcher, and whispers, as you wish. In that moment, returning his gaze, Buttercup realizes that every time he has said, as you wish, he was really saying, I love you. There is no greater expression of love than a freely submitted will. As you wish. That's what Mary said. The angel came to her and, and gave her the news. And she said to God, as you wish. She just was so humble and so willing. As the people of God, we serve a Savior uh, who did the same thing, only perfectly. Uh, Jesus came and said to his father, as you wish. As you wish. He came to do uh, his father's will. Uh, So this Christmas season, we celebrate uh, the coming of our king. We celebrate Jesus. It's his birthday, uh, but we get a gift bag. We get, together as God's people, uh, the the gift of being noticed. We get the gift of, of courage, we get the gift of the miraculous, and we respond uh, with great willingness to the God who knows us and loves us and made us, as you wish, as you wish.